0: Father God, in my weakness, would you speak through me? In our foolishness, would you open our hearts? And would you remind us of what it is that you have said? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? John chapter 14 is made up of three people who ask different questions Uh, and at this point Judas, not Iscariot, has just asked Jesus, how will you reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And um, will will you do wonderful, mighty acts of power? Will you make everything in life go well or easy for us? Will you make us victorious and successful in the world? Well, the answer to that is probably no. (laughs) If anything, Jesus says the opposite. He says, this is the good news, (laughs) that his followers will be the poor, the hated, the despised and the rejected in the world. But, he says, God will reveal himself make himself known to his people, to those who love him, to those who desire his word, in a deeply personal way. He he tells us, first of all, God will be with us. He says, verse 23, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus has said to his followers that he's going to the Father to prepare a home for them. Now he says that he will come to them and make his home with them. Imagine there's a knock on your door. Some guests are coming, not just to stay with you, but to live with you. That might sound a bit scary. Will there be enough room? Will you get on with them? Will they fit into your way of doing things? Or will you have to fit into their way of doing things? But these guests are different. First of all, the flat in which you are living belongs to them. In fact, the whole block of flats belongs to them, and they were the one who gave the flat to you. Secondly, they really love you and you love them and thirdly you know that they want the very very best for you and as they move in you realize that things are changing some of the changes are difficult but they are for the better and you begin to realize that although it remains your flat although you could ask them to leave at any time They're not really living with you, but you've been invited to live with them. When God comes to us to live with us, things will change. Yes, he says that he will come to live with us, but in reality, it turns out that we are being invited to live with him. We're invited to share in the relationship between Father and Son. We're included in that relationship. We become part of that love. We're invited to know the love of the Father for the Son and for us, and to know and share the love and trust of the Son for the Father. And so, just as Jesus calls God Father, we find that we can call God Father and we find that Jesus the Son is not just our Lord but he's also our friend, like a brother. And we hear that just as the Father calls Jesus his dearly beloved Son, so we hear the Father calling us his dearly beloved sons and daughters. Jenny was a member of the previous church where I was a vicar in the United Kingdom. She was in hospital in a side room where she was dying. Jenny was completely no nonsense and she was with it right to the end. That's important for you to know in light of what I'm about to say. But as I visited her in those last few days She told me two things. The first was that the lines from that hymn, Away in a Manger, which I had so often dissed and said, oh no, not Away in a Manger. But the lines of the second verse of Away in a Manger had become for her a daily, an hourly prayer. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. The second thing she told me was that Jesus had appeared to her. She had become aware of his presence in the room with her. She knew it was him. There was no doubt. She could only look at his feet. But he came close to her and lifted up her head so that she looked in his face. Of course, there are not many people who have had that sort of an experience. I can only think of literally one or two others who have told me that sort of story. My father, when he was dying uh, a few weeks ago, had a very difficult final few days. He had a faith, but he said to me, where is God in this? Why am I going through this? There are moments when we do experience the love of the Father and the Son, but for most of the time, for most of the time, we have to trust that they are still living with us, but mainly as invisible guests. We only occasionally catch glimpses of them. Sometimes we hear them, Sometimes we do not see or hear them, but we know that someone is around because the kettle is warm or the dishes have been washed up. They're that sort of guests. (laughs) The psalmist writes, remembering how the people of Israel had had to flee from the Egyptian army through the sea. He writes, your way was through the sea to God, your path through the mighty waters yet your footprints were unseen." So even though there are moments when we experience God, most of the time we have to simply trust that God is with us, that he is living with us. And our hope, well our hope is in the reading from Revelation. It speaks of the time when we will see God clearly. It speaks of the New Jerusalem when heaven comes down to earth, when God comes to dwell with his people, to live with his people. And then we will see clearly. But the throne of God, Revelation says, and of the Lamb will be in it in the New Jerusalem, and his servants will worship him, they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. God reveals himself to us because he is with us. He lives with us. Secondly, this passage talks about how God teaches us. The advocate, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Clearly, Jesus here is speaking to the first disciples. He talks about how he's going to go away from them, and he's speaking about his death on the cross. And he tells them that the Holy Spirit will remind them of everything that he said and what they remembered, guided by the Holy Spirit, we find in the Bible, in Scripture, in in the words of the Gospels. But Jesus is also speaking to all of us who believe through their words. The Holy Spirit will teach us everything. He does that by taking the truths of Scripture, the words of Jesus, and applying them to our particular situation, in our particular context, with our particular concerns. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit teaches us is by helping us to remember to remember what we need at a particular time that we need to remember the Holy Spirit works with our memories there's a story told of the man who went uh, of, of the man who was losing his memory so he went to a memory clinic He met with a friend afterwards and told him, I went to this wonderful memory clinic and they gave me some very helpful ways of remembering things. Wonderful, said his friend, I could do with that. What's the name of the clinic? Oh dear, said the man. And then his face lit up and he suddenly thought, I remember what they taught me. He said, now, he said, what's the name of that flower that can be red or yellow or white and that has thorns on it? And his friend said, a rose? And he said, yes, that's it. And the friend said, you mean it's the rose clinic? No, no, he said. And then he called through to the kitchen to his wife and he said, Rose, dear, what was the name of the clinic I went to? Um, Fortunately, we don't need to call on Rose, (laughs) we have the Holy Spirit, and for those of us whose memory is failing, we have the Holy Spirit who will come and remind us. And it's the Holy Spirit who will remind us of those truths of Scripture that are most important for us, or that are most necessary for us at a particular time. The Spirit does that through the collective memory of the people of God. When we meet together, through the worship of the church, through our words and songs, each Sunday we read different passages from the Bible. We read Jesus' words commanding us to love and telling us of the forgiveness of sins, of his death and resurrection, of the hope of eternal life. And each Sunday we're reminded of what he said at the Last Supper. The Spirit teaches us, reminds us, through each other, through studying the Bible together, through friends sharing verses or encouragement with one another. And the Spirit also teaches us through our own individual memories. One of the passages that has come alive for me in the current situation has been the song of Zechariah, Luke chapter 1. We say the words every day in morning prayer, but um, I decided a few months ago I really needed to learn it. And and I I pray that most nights, most days, slowly going through the words. And through those verses, God has spoken to me that a mighty Saviour has come, that God has spoken, that he is faithful, that he will set us free to worship him. That means that we'll be able to live absolutely as we were made to be and that there is the hope of a new dawn. The point is that when Jesus says that the Spirit will remind the disciples of all that he has said, he's speaking to people who have already come to him, who've already heard him and received his word, so he's able to revive them. And if the Holy Spirit is to help us remember the words of Jesus and through our memory help us to apply them, then of course we need to first have heard them, maybe have learnt them, certainly received them. God will reveal himself to us because he will live with us, he will teach us. Thirdly, God will give us his peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. There's a great deal spoken about peace, especially now. But here we're not talking about the peace that the world gives, even though we could do with a good dose of that. The peace of Jesus is a peace which does not come from meditation, mindfulness, breathing exercises, types of yoga. Don't get me wrong, they're not bad. They can be very, very helpful. Just 10 minutes of meditation a day, I'm told, can make a significant difference to your mental and physical health. But the peace that Jesus offers is not the peace which comes from simply going inwards, closing its eyes to suffering or forgetting all your problems. It's not the peace of, of, dare I say this, the Buddha with the closed eyes sitting there. Nor are we talking about political peace. Usually that is conceived of as an absence of war, of fighting, and often comes as a peace which is imposed by the strong on the weak. The Pax Augustus established the Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire. After centuries, literally about two centuries, of major civil war, Augustus established and finally there was peace virtually throughout the empire. But the only way he established that was by crushing all his potential competitors. Nor are we talking about the peace of the cemetery. In the United Kingdom, people will often say when someone has died, may they rest in peace i guess they're saying that we hope that they will finally find rest sleep especially if death has been difficult but may they rest in peace is not the last word for the christian and many christians will respond to that phrase may they rest in peace with the words and rise in glory the peace that jesus gives is a peace which is both objective and subjective it is objective it is real this is the peace that jesus won for us when he died on the cross it's about peace between us and god it's about mercy and forgiveness and freedom and a new relationship with god And when we are right with God, we can begin to get right with each other. We can begin to be at peace with others. We do not need to prove ourselves. We do not need to stand in judgment over others. We do not need to fight them to get stuff. Instead, we can recognize our own sin. We can say sorry and we can forgive others who sin against us. This is the piece, this is an active piece. It's the piece of a hockey or football team where all the players are at ease with themselves and with each other. They know their giftings and their place. They know the giftings of others and their place. And they're playing as one body, trying to bring out the best in each other with a single aim. But this is also a subjective piece. A peace that we really can experience in our own hearts, in our own guts through the Holy Spirit. A peace which comes from knowing that you're in the right with God, that you are right with other people and that you are right with God's creation. This is the peace which helps us sleep. This is the peace which brings stillness to us in the middle of the storm. People sometimes describe it as the piece of a bird sleeping in a nest in a rock while all around the storm is raging. Again, I'm not so sure. I think that's too passive. This piece is more active. It's the peace of the sailor pulling on the rigging in the middle of the storm, straining with all their strength, aware of the danger but completely confident both in their ability and knowledge, in what they're doing, in the crew and in the boat. This is the peace of the person who is walking through a dark place but who knows that their shepherd and their rock and their defender is beside them. Uh, I just say there's a lovely story. Um, a lovely clip in uh, Crocodile Dundee," which uh, I love is a great film. And uh, uh, in it, the bad guy has come up and he 's pointing the gun at the good guy. Uh, and the good guy is standing there by his fire, and he 's completely defenseless, and this bad guy is going to shoot him. Uh, and the bad guy says, well, aren't you going to do anything? And the man says, no. He says, I, I don't need so." he says. I've got me donk. Uh, and, and the bad guy looks at him and says, what do you mean? And he turns round and he sees behind him the most huge person called Donk who just goes, donk. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you like, we're in the storm, but we've got our... Uh, our defender this is the peace that can lead us this is the peace i hope you've known at times the leading of god's peace it often comes when we need to do something difficult maybe make a change maybe take a really big risk and do something different we need to do maybe something difficult but even though it is incredibly difficult and a great challenge, our head, our heart and our guts tell us this is the right thing to do. And ultimately, of course, this is the peace that comes because we have received God's word. We've responded to his love with our love because we have let God teach us, because God is with us. That is how God reveals himself to us.